Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We are pouring out our love on you tonight because you deserve all the love that we can give you because you are God. You're the God that sent your only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. You're the one that sent your Son that said that he's the resurrection and the life. And though a man be dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me, you said, shall never die. We, we accept that promise and we know that it's true. We know that you have provided a way for us to the kingdom of heaven through your son Jesus who shed his blood in our place. That holy blood that cried out from the ground the creation mourning the very death of the Savior and the creator of the world. And Lord, there's a whole world full of people, billions, Lord, that could care less about the precious blood that was shed. Now, Father, we, Freedom Church at Palm Beach, is care. We don't want them to spend an eternity in hell. We want them to find the Savior and be redeemed from their sin. Lord, we cry out to you with our whole hearts because you're a merciful God, a gracious God, a forgiving God, a God that already paid the penalty for the, our sins, debt, which is death. He took it upon himself. And he, Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin that we, I, this congregation, those on the internet, and all those who believe would not perish but have eternal life, Lord. We're so thankful to you. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin that we might become the righteousness of you, God, in Christ Jesus. How great thou art. How great you are. How wretched we are, Lord. There's even a song. Oh, wretched man that I am, said the Apostle Paul. Lord, and we're sinners, and we fall short of your glory. We don't want to, but somehow this flesh drags us into it. And you said it rightly whenever the disciples fell asleep at the transfiguration. You said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and our, our flesh is weak, Lord. And we need you. Our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing to follow you with all of our heart. Someday this flesh will be gone and we'll be united with you in the kingdom and we'll be with you forever. We thank you for that promise. How great thou art, O oh God. How great you are. Let your greatness be seen tonight, Lord, as we look into your word. Those over the internet, those who listen down the road, Maybe the ones that listen after this, this live broadcast is done. And even those here tonight. Father God, we give you, we, we, we want to proclaim it from the mountain. How blessed are the feet of those who bring the gospel of good news to, to the world. And Lord, you have opened an avenue where we can preach around the world, right here, right now. Somebody that's asleep on the other side of the world, 
can't sleep at night and they get up and turn on the computer and end up at Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches or any other church preaching the gospel and they too might receive the Savior. Lord, I could think of all these possibilities and you are God. There's millions, billions of ways you can reach these billions of people who are trotting your, your precious blood under their feet and they need to be saved and redeemed. And Lord, tonight, Use us. Use Freedom Church at the Palm Beach, Lord, to bring some people into the kingdom. Our soul cries out for them, Lord. We long for the harvest to come in as the world goes downhill quickly. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus of Nazareth, let it be known, says Peter and John at the temple gate, beautiful. Let it be known that in the name of Jesus Christ, this man walks and praises and leaps and praises God. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. And thank you for forgiving our sins. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Freedom Church, you may be seated. For those online, um, you're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in, in uh, Lantana, Florida, which is, is uh, West Palm Beach area, south of there. We're on the borderline between Boynton Beach, North, North Boynton Beach, and South Lantana, High Paluxo Road. So if you're local and you want to come by, uh, we preach the full gospel. All you got to do is get on 95, go to High Paluxo Road, in, uh, and go west to about a quarter mile on the north side of the road, and that's where Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches is, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, 33462. You can also tune in to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. The PB stands for Palm Beach, but don't type it out. It's freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out when our services are, you know, you can find out what we believe. You know, we're full gospel preaching church. We preach the whole counsel of God. If you were here last Sunday, you would have found that out because it was a tough subject. But it needed to be taught, and it still needs to be taught. And a lot of uh, churches aren't, aren't teaching it, but it's time for us to repent and get on with the program. And the church needs cleansed, just like the world needs cleansed. Hopefully the church is a little cleaner, <laughs> but but you know we got a church needs cleansed. That's all there is to it. We we are sinners. I prayed it in our prayer tonight. We're sinners. We fall short of the glory. Oh how we want to serve God, but then that thought, that sight, that that uh, fire in us for for the world tries to snuff us out. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. But we love you, Jesus, with all of our heart. So if you're local, come on by. If we're, we're here, or you can tune in, again, freedomchurchpb.org, and then you can kind of tune in every Thursday night at 7.15, and we're teaching uh, the Bible. Last week was Romans. This week um, we're in the first chapter of Romans. This week I'm going to Philippians chapter 1 tonight, so get your Bible out. And for those of you, uh, if you're local, again, we're here Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. You can tune in from where you're at, 
and um, you can list our service. So I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be doing expositional studies, expositional studies where, you know, you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sunday at 10 a.m. Did I say that? Yes. Oh, Saturday. I'm sorry. Sunday at 10 a.m. Sunday at 10 a.m. Saturday at 9 a.m. is a men's Bible study here. So if you're local, come on by. There's several churches represented here in that Bible study. There's at least three churches represented. And uh, we have a, a blessed time, men sharing with men and men learning from men. One of the guys is a, besides me being a pastor, one of the pastors is from another church. And he comes here. So, you know, we're... You know, we're in this together. I don't care if you're Methodist, Protestant, Assembly of God, Catholic, Presbyterian. If you believe in Jesus came and died and was buried and is risen and you believe it with all your heart, we are brothers in Christ. And uh, there shouldn't be any separation line there. We might differ in a few beliefs, but that doesn't have anything to do with our salvation. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, him alone. He's the rock of our salvation. So we're saved through him. Well, we're glad. So um, even online, if you go to our website, you can find out all about us when our services are. You can listen to messages from years back. You can even donate online. So uh, you know, keep the churches going. Your church, if you don't belong to this church, tithe to the church you belong to. If you're staying home on Sunday or, or uh, Thursday night or Wednesday night, whatever time you meet, you know, you still need to support your church. Your tithe does not go away because you didn't show up in church. Your tithe is to be paid to the Lord. And uh, that's what keeps the gospel going forth through missionaries and pastors. You know, and we support two missionaries in this church. One of them's home right now, uh, you know, evangelizing in the local area, West Palm Beach. The other one's in Brazil, teaching other Portuguese uh, believers in Brazil to speak English, and they're going to be sent out, you know, as uh, as Matt preaches uh, to them. He takes them out on missions trips, too, where they use English to con to uh, speak to people. So, you know, um, we want you to be aware of that, and your support helps us support them as they're in the field. So, and they're part of this church, you know, so we're we're honored that God would allow us to support two missionaries with this little church that, that we are. So praise God. You know, we're doing big things. I got two pages of things that the Lord did in this church. A lot of people think Freedom Church is so small you're not doing nothing. I want to tell you what. I got two pages of notes that I wrote up about two years ago, and I could probably fill another two pages if I showed you the things that God did with people that had come here and done things and people that got prayed over and people that, that have been encouraged and people that have grown in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. I could show you those people that walked in off the street that got saved. Unbelievable what God has done. You know, you can't just judge a church by its cover. But people do. People do. You know. That's why if you're writing a book, the cover's got to be beautiful. <laughs> you know, that's all there is to it. Anyway, get your Bibles out. We're at Philippians chapter 1. And I'm, I was going to stay in Romans, but this Philippians has been, been pressed on my heart. You know, um, over the last several months, and I figured I'm going to do it tonight because it's very important. 
I'm going to really focus on the 12th through the 18th verse, but I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and I might explain a few things. But the 12, verse 12 through 18 is very important for everybody to understand. Whether you're in prison, whether you're walking the streets, whether you're uh, a person that sleeps under a bridge, or whether you are a multi-billionaire, you know, it's important for everybody what, what is said in Philippians chapter uh, 1 and verse 12 through 18. And I, I'll show you them things as we go along. But you got to remember, Philippians is a, is a present epistle. It's a present letter. Paul wrote many letters from present. He wrote Philemon. He wrote Philippians. He wrote Ephesians. And he wrote Galatians from present. And I think there's one more. So, um, you know, it's important. You can be in present. And Paul's going to tell you in these present epistles, and whichever one, maybe all of them, he's going to tell you, I'm chained, but the gospel's not chained gospel is not chained. It doesn't matter where you're at. In prison, sleeping under a bridge, in the White House. It doesn't matter. The gospel is not chained and it never be chained and the gates of hell will never rule over the, over the kingdom of God. Gates of hell will not uh, you know, uh, stop the church from moving forth. Okay, Philippians, let's start in verse 1. Paul, Paul is writing Philippians. He's writing it to young Timothy, okay? And young Timothy is one of his disciples, and he has been discipled. Here he says, he's writing a letter from present to Timothy. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ, Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. That tells you right there that this church is already established. It has a pastor. It has deacons and bishops over it. Okay? It's an established church. And Paul and uh, started this church with, with Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 16, which I might touch on a few points in there tonight. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Listen, Paul's praying for them. You know, he started this church, and he still prays for this church. And it's an established church, even with its own deacons and its own bishops. But he still prays for them. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you with all joy, for your fellowship is in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What an encouraging verse that is. We're not going to capitalize that on tonight. But be confident, church. You might be struggling with a particular sin right now or struggling with something in your life right now. But be confident that in this very thing, says the Word of God, which is true and accurate, that He who began, that's the Lord, who began a good work in you, which is your salvation, He will complete it even until the day of Jesus Christ, whether you're on earth or whether you go to meet Him. When he when he you're on earth when he comes back, or you know you go to meet him. 
Be confident God is working in you because you believe in his son Jesus. Verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of all you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. So Paul is encouraging them to you know, keep on keeping on. He has them in his heart. He loves them. He loves the Philippian church that was started, okay, which began with the Philippian jailer. Verse 8, For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. He wants to go to Philippi again, but he's in prison, and he really can't right now. But he, he's letting them know how his desire is to get to see them at least one more time that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. He's telling us here, the, the believers at Philippi, to be sincere. When you pray, be sincere. You know, you know, don't pray with your intellect. Pray with your heart to be sincere. God looks at your heart, not at your outward being. Man has a tendency to look at the outside. God has a tendency always to look at your heart. That's why, you know, Romans 31 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. You know, you might be beautiful on the outside, but inside you're unclean. Or, you know, you might be un not beautiful on the outside, but inside you've got a beautiful heart. That's what God's looking at. Being filled with all fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. That just kind of uh, sets up the, the situation now that Paul's in, in Philippi. So as we start the 12th verse, this, you know, I want you to know, and I named this, this uh, title of this message. If you went to this message down the road on our website, you will see it's named, The Gospel is Not Chained. The gospel is not chained. Paul is chained, but the gospel is not changed. Paul's going to tell the preachers in Philippi, and he's telling all the preachers today that it is important how you preach. That means, you know, to the pastor behind the pulpit and to the individuals in the church whenever they witness to their friends, their relatives, their co-workers, their colleagues, he's telling them, you know, that it's important how you preach. And we're going to hit on this as we move along. So Philippians really is, is a thank you note, a thank you letter that Paul is writing. And Paul wants you to know, as this in this, you remember, he's in chains, but the gospel is not in chains. He wants you to know that his afflictions actually further the gospel. His affliction, he's in prison, and his affliction is actually going to further the gospel. And we're going to see that as we move through these next verses. Verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which appeared, ha which happened to me, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is in prison. How could the gospel go further? You're going to see how. The things that, he's saying, the things that have happened to me has already happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You know, 
You think you're in, Paul's in prison, but the gospel is going out. Mightily, I might add. Here's Acts chapter 26, verse 14 through 20. I'm going to turn there, and we're going to read it. It's important. Acts chapter 26, and verses 14 through 20. And when we all had fallen to the ground, Paul is giving his testimony here, okay? I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in a Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, it's hard for you to kiss against the thorn bush. You know, you're going to hurt your own foot. That's what you're going to do. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Whoa. Paul just got a lesson here. He's given his testimony, and he's preaching to the Philippian churches and the pastors and the deacons and the lay people. I am Jesus who you am persecuting. Verse 16, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you, listen, here's, the, here's his commission, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And we know that Paul actually gives us seven mysteries in his writings that aren't even mentioned by the, the apostles, the other four Gospels. Seven of them. This is, it's already fulfilled right here by what Jesus is saying. To make you a minister and a witness both of things which you have seen and of things which you will yet see. See? Verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So Paul's, Paul's commission is no longer to the Jews. It is to the Gentiles, mostly the Romans and the Greeks. And we're going to see that Paul, you know, with Silas, ends up in Europe. He's preaching in Europe by the ends of his ministry. Here's verse 18. What does he want them to do? He sent them to the Gentile to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Now, that's not talking about physical sight. It's talking about spiritual sight, okay? To deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes, their spiritual eyes, in order to turn them from darkness that they're walking in Remember, in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, people walking in darkness will see a great light. Well, Paul is about to reveal it. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. We saw that Jesus, as we read through the Gospels, that Jesus cast out demons. He turned them, and he, he, he turned them from Satan to God by casting out the demons that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. First of all, how are you sanctified? By faith. And to give you an inheritance. Do you know, church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you might, you know what, your, your father and mother, grandparents might not have left you an inheritance, but Jesus Christ has left you an inheritance, not in this world, but in the world to come. To turn them from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. That's your inheritance. The kingdom of God. 
to those who are sanctified by me. That's been set apart for holiness. You have been set apart for holiness by, by Jesus Christ because you believe in him and your sins are washed away. Even though they be red as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Verse 19, therefore, King Agrippa, now he's preaching before a king, which God told him, Jesus did tell him, he told Ananias in chapter uh, 4, I believe it is, of Acts, that, hey, I'm going to send him before kings. Here it is, you know, he's preaching before King Agrippa here. I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision, but I declared first to those in Damascus, which was a Jewish, uh, non-Jewish area, a Gentile area, and in Jerusalem, which is the Jewish area that Paul was preaching to, but now he's been called to, to, um, to the Gentiles. And throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, and they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Two works preventing repentance. He's telling this world, Paul is telling us right here, just like John the Baptist, just like Isaiah, just like Ezekiel, just like Jeremiah, just like John the Baptist, and just like Peter and Paul, and Peter and John, he's telling us to repent. Repent, which means turn turning and going the other direction. You're headed towards the, the enemy's camp. Now you're going to turn around 180 degrees and go towards God's camp and do the works befitting repentance. What is the works befitting per, um, uh, uh, repentance? Let's go. I'm just going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Now I rejoice. This is Paul again writing. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry but that your sorrow, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. See, sorrow for your sins should lead you to repent, to turn around and go in the other direction. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. So if you can make a formula out of this, it would be sorrow plus repentance equals eternal life. Sorrow plus repentance equals eternal life. Paul is on a roll here, and he's preaching to, to King Agrippa. And before you know it, he will be preaching to the household of, of Caesar himself. And you're going to see as we move through this epistle in these first six, ver these six verses, you know, the gospel is saturating uh, Caesar's household. People are getting saved. Even Roman soldiers are getting saved. Paul is in prison, setting the stage. to his, he's, he's being set for the stage to appear before for Caesar. And I believe this Caesar is Nero, and he is a bad dude. But he's, he's beforehand, he was in, in the, the palace. He's preaching to the guards, according to Ephesians chapter 6. The Roman commanders, the guards that were guarded with him. These guards would take six-hour shifts. They would be chained to Paul for six hours. And... 
You know, that's where Paul came up with Ephesians in chapter 6 and verse 10 through 18 about the armor of God. He's chained to these soldiers in the armor of God. He, and God uses it as a acrostic uh, to get us to understand, you know, what the spiritual armor is. He's preaching to Caesar's household. There's a church in Rome that's expanding, and he's preaching to them. He's preaching to Caesar and to the Roman lawyers and as, his, as he's in prison. See, he's in prison, but the gospel is not in prison. He's preaching the gospel. Soldiers are getting saved. Caesar's household is getting saved. The guards are getting saved. The church in Rome is encouraged and expanding because people are getting saved. Caesar's going to hear the gospel by the time Paul's done. Not in this chapter. You know, the, Ro- the, the Roman lawyers are getting saved most likely. The gospel is spreading for kings and Gentiles, Rome's leadership, Caesar's household, soldiers. Chapter 9 of of Acts, chapter 9 of Acts, uh, verses 13 through 16. Let me show you. 9, 13 through 16. Then Ananias answered the Lord. He was told to go lay his hands on Paul. Okay? Ananias answered the Lord. I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief I hear that he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on my name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And I will show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ooh, see, there's the commission. He's going to kings. He's going to Gentiles. He's going to the children of Israel. And you don't know, he, you know what? He, he really broke off and went to the Gentiles, but the children of Israel were following him around, and he's preaching, and as he's preaching, the Word of God is ministering to their heart, and some of these guys got saved, and some of them, their hearts got harder. So they want Paul dead. The gospel is spreading. Paul is saying, I'm not out of the will of God in verse 10. I'm not out of the will of God. We read that uh, verse 10 there. He's not out of the will of God. He is exactly where God wants him to be. You can see that there's, you know, we can see it in Paul's life. How did the Philippian church start? In Acts chapter 16, verse 20 through 26, they brought them to the magistrates. Okay? Paul was in prison. They were beat. Paul and Barnabas were beat with cat of nine tails, most likely. And they're in prison, chained, probably up against a wall, hands and feet, stretched out. And, and all of a sudden, instead of them crying, God, why don't you do this to me? They're crying. They're singing in praises to God. They're singing praises to God. And because of the praises, you'll find out that Paul's chains just fell off. And the doors to the prison were miraculously opened. God's using Paul's chains just as he did with those in the past. Like, like, uh, like he used Gideon's pitcher to deliver Israel from the Midianites. God used the rod of Moses to, to 
deliver Israel from Egypt. He uses the chains of Paul to spread the gospel through Rome to kings, to the palace guards, to the people in the palace. Can you picture the Apostle Paul being chained? There was, okay, four shifts a day, six-hour six shifts the Roman soldiers would take. That's what I read, you know, six-hour shifts. So that's one, two, three, four every day. You think Paul said, hey, just give me a glass of water? He's preaching the gospel to them. He's, he's not going to stop preaching the gospel. And these people are getting saved. These soldiers are getting saved. So by the time Constantine comes along, about 200 years later, Rome was already had Christian influence all through it, even though Nero blamed the fire that he himself set on the Christians. Even though the Christians were fed the lions and hung on the Via della Rosa on crosses and lit as candles, you know, at nighttime. You know what? God is setting the stage to open up the most powerful nation in the world that had be, be influenced by Christianity, by Christ. The jailer and his family in Acts chapter 16 and verse 20. And let me read that. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16. Verses 20 through 26. I want to read that to you. This is the Philippian church. And they brought them to the magistrates, Okay, and said, these, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their hands in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas, I said Barnabas before, I'm sorry, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. This jailer is in big trouble. If they get away, if these prisoners escape, his life is, he's done. He'll be executed by, by Rome. So, we see that a lot is happening here with the church in Philippi. The church has started, actually, in the first part of this, this verse. And then you got, you got uh, Acts chapter 16, which reinforced the original starting of the church, you know, through uh, the women in Acts. In, um, I'm sorry, in, in uh, yeah, Acts chapter... One, I believe, chapter 16 and verse 1. Let's go there real quick. Which is, uh, I forget the, uh, oh well, not important, but the church was started right there at the bank of the river. In other words, Paul was in chains. Christ, but the Word of God is not in change. The application of what we just read is really this. 
troubles challenge. Troubles can challenge the Christian. Paul and Silas were challenged here, and they chose to worship God in all circumstance, to trust God in it. And that encourages us today because, you know, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and you know that verse, no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you are able to endure it. That's what God does. There's nothing in this world that some other Christian hasn't already faced and passed. God does not play favorites. Yes, he used Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas for a particular um, era, a particular time, and he's using you and me in a particular time in this world. God is preparing you. Verse 13 of Philippians chapter 1. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. His chains are in Christ. And this is influencing the very heart of the Roman government. Do you realize that? This is, is actually influencing the entire government because when Constantine allows Christianity, the Christians came out of the woodwork like you wouldn't believe because there was an underground church at this point. And they were, were influenced. You know, Paul right now is influencing the entire Roman government, just like Peter and John, you know, with the name of Jesus Christ. Paul was not silent. Paul, we learned last week and the week before in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God for salvation, even though he's in chains. He's in chains. He couldn't stop speaking, just like the apostles. And I'm, I think it's in, in Acts chapter 17. It's in the book of Acts. They couldn't stop speaking about Jesus. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because Paul's in chains, and he is pretty much the, the well, he's the starter of this church. Because of him being in chains and him being so confident, it caused the other Christians to be confident and unashamed of the gospel. People in Caesar's households are getting saved. Roman leadership is getting saved. Not only were the Romans being saved, but the Philippians were being saved also and being held confident. Their courage is built up to speak and to preach the gospel without fear, boldly. Now us Americans, believe me, we aren't going to get crucified, killed, or shot, most likely, because we're Christians. And we have a habit to keep our mouths shut. It's a disgrace, really, to the, to the church and, to, and, and me, you know, even myself. I don't witness every cashier that, you know, that, I, that takes my order over at Publix or, or Walmart or whatever. You know what? But Paul, I can't picture Paul not doing that. Hopefully, 
hundreds and even thousands began to preach the gospel in Rome and Philippi and Colossae and, uh, and Ephesus. Who knows? Door to door, town to town, on the roads, due to Paul's letter that even encouraged us to this day, which is an application for today. God always has people set to take the ministry higher and to more places. That's why I mentioned about Matt in Brazil. We pray for him. I pray for him every day. I talk to him once a week for at least an hour every time, you know, to give him encouragement. But he's down there, and he can get lonely. You know, there's no Walmart that he can just walk out and go get a hamburger if he wants or a, or a Burger King. He's out in the boonies. It's a long way, you know, to get something. And he's in administration. He's going to send these guys out as he trains them English. You know what? He's, he's ministering, you know, to set to take ministry higher and higher. These people that he's teaching, uh, young men and young women, the English language, to send them out so they can go to bigger places. And I start mentioning different countries. I said, Matt, you've got to remember this. You know, these people, you're going to send them to India and Japan and Brazil, not Brazil, but Africa. And he said to me, you said that, and those are the exact countries that they're going to. And I'm going like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Going to India, he's sending them. That's going to encourage him and lift him up because he just can't take a shower when he wants to. You know, you got to pray for him. He, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a second world country, but if you want warm water in a shower, they have this electric thing up here that heats the water as it comes out. And the wires are just hanging there. I'm thinking, like, if I praise the Lord, I'm going to get electrocuted. Well, Matt was telling me he was in the shower and, and the wire fell off. If it would have hit the water, it would have been done. But it didn't. It didn't touch the water. So, you know, these things can discourage us. And we get upset. We won't go to church because the seats, the, the bench chairs are too hard. And we had a late night, and we can't get to church on Sunday morning. I keep telling everybody, Jesus died for you. You can't get out of bed? Come on. Put some effort into it. Verse 15, first part. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. There's different groups of preachers, Paul's telling you here. There are different types of preachers. Some preach out of envy and strife. That's one group of preachers. Another preach out of goodwill. And if you go into other translations, that envy and strife is also translated Things like jealousy, selfish ambition. They want to get rich preaching the gospel. I'm here to tell you, a few preachers get rich, but it's, it's a small amount. It might be one half of one-tenth of one percent. Usually if you're a preacher, you, ain't make, you are not making big money. There's two groups, people that preach... Pastors that preach out of envy and strife, there's some that preach out of goodwill. The first group, here verse 15, again, that was per first uh, part A of verse 15. This is the rest of it. The former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. 
You realize what that's saying? The church is saying, Paul, you're in prison. Uh, you can't be preaching the gospel. That's like people going and say, you, you know what, you're, you're not driving a Mercedes, so you can't be preaching the gospel. That's not true. It's just not true. It doesn't fit in the scripture. Some preach out of selfish ambition. They, they want a name for themselves. You know, when I, when I led the team, actually Matt led the team in the, in the, in the uh, physical sense, and I led the team in the spiritual sense, and I told them, when we go to Brazil, we were there like 10, 15 days, I don't remember, I told the group of eight of us, I says, it's not for them to know your name, and so when we walk out of here, they're going to know the name of Jesus. I think Jeremy Camp sings a song like that. It's not our name. And it's Jesus' name that we want them to know. And I can tell you what, I know, I know people that we touched and were ministered and healed to and delivered down there, but I don't remember their names. And I'm sure they don't remember mine. And I don't care, but they remember the name of Jesus. These sayings, these, he's saying that, the, the, you know, you're in sin, so God had you put in prison. Nonsense. God had him put in prison so the gospel could get furthered. You see, here they're looking at it from the other side. This is, this is brother against brother. Do you realize that? Quit shooting our brothers in the feet and the feet and the foot. You know, we are on the same team. We all believe in Jesus, that he came, he died, he's buried, and, and the third day he rose from the grave. We're on the same team. We might have different beliefs. It's not a big deal because our salvation isn't, isn't taken by it. Our salvation is in Jesus. We all know it. So therefore, we can walk together because our, we have a common bond, Jesus. And they're coming down on Paul. So you know what? So they come down on Paul, and they're hoping that other Christians come to their camp. Meanwhile, they're preaching out of selfish ambition. But when we get to, to the end of this, you're going to see what Paul says about, you know, both kinds of preacher, and I really like what he says. Okay? Selfish ambition means contention. These, these preachers that are preaching out of selfish ambition, they, they do not understand God's plan to take Rome for Jesus. And Rome is going to influence the entire world. I'm Roman I was raised in a Roman Catholic church. I'm 100% Italian. I know exactly what he's talking about. Rome ruled the world. My dad was all proud. He was an Italian. You know, I'm all full Italian too. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you're Italian or Greek or, or English or French. It doesn't matter. God wants to take... Rome, he wants to take America, he wants to take Brazil, he wants to take Japan and China and India and Russia and Ukraine. They were envious of the Apostle Paul. That's the problem. Envious, they were jealous, not having results Paul was receiving even in prison. They were jealous. But here's Paul. Paul has vision like you won't believe. The solution to their problem Envy was, was um, to realize God has given the person a gift. You know what? 
I preached to a smaller crowd. Some preachers preached to a larger crowd. And I was part of a larger church at one time of like 15, 20,000 people, one of like 29 pastors. I like the smaller church better because I can minister to everyone in the church. When there's 29 pastors over 15, 20,000 people, that's like 500 people per pastor. It can't be done. It can't be done. It's impossible. They used to call me up and, hey, can you go visit this guy? And I'll have to, you know, usually I said yes. Listen, we've got to realize that if this person's preacher to a bigger audience, like, say, Charles Stanley or David Jeremiah or, or some of those people, you've got to understand God gave them a special gift to do that. That doesn't mean that they're more holier than the small pastor, a small chap pastor of a small church. They've been, they've been given a special gift to reach a certain area, and that's all God cares about, and that's all we should care about. God's given them a gift, and we, don't, we might not have the same gift, so we've got to realize that. These gifts are to be put into use by love. The gifts, I, I tell everybody, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about tongues and spiritual gifts like words of knowledge and healing and miracles. Chapter 14 is the same way. It's all about these, these gifts, but it's sandwiched in the middle of those two chapters is chapter 13, and it's love. So these two chapters better be sandwiched in love. So if it's not sandwiched in love, you've got to watch it. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, and I use it almost at every wedding that I do, love envies not. True love envies not. And if we all, listen, if every pastor had the same gift, how could we function and be effective? Say, we have a ministry of, of uh, deliverance here, okay? If every church had a ministry of deliverance, that would be nice. But every church doesn't. A lot of churches don't want anything to do with it. And instead of them coming down on the preachers that do deliverance, they ought to say, thank God, somebody's doing it because they've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 11 says that the Holy Spirit dis distributes the gifts as He wills. Very important. That means if you have a gift of, of worship, you know, he, the Holy Spirit gave it to you. If you have the Spirit of teaching, the Holy Spirit gave it to you. If you have the Spirit, the, the, you know, the, the uh, spiritual gift of miracles or evangelism, the Holy Spirit gave it to you. So don't, don't get all flustered that, you know, you're better than somebody because your church is bigger. That is absolutely not true. Yet that's the first question you'll be asked if you go to a gathering of preachers. First question to ask, how big is your church? And they usually say, well, church is 200. I say, how many disciples? How many disciples? Because that's what we're supposed to do, make disciples. Strife means eros. It's a Greek word, eris, which means to stir up. Envy and strife hurt the church. It stirs up trouble like the MO of, do you realize that trouble is the MO of demons? You're working on, on the other. You're working for the enemy. 
These selfish, ambitious preachers were trying to belittle Paul. He's in prison. They're, they're legalistic. They're, they're religious as their problem. They're chained. I mean, he's chained, but the gospel isn't. They don't understand this at all, and that's what I'm trying to drive home to you. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. God's going to use you wherever you're at. He even uses unbelievers. Did you know that he used, who, who did he use? Uh, Caiaphas to, prosper, to prophesy that one man would be killed for the nation? Caiaphas. They're thinking to add affliction to Paul's chains. Verse uh, 15b, some preachers also preach from goodwill. Verse 17, but the latter preach out of love. Know that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. You know, latter preach out of love. Some preachers are sincere. They love people so much. If a homeless person walked in this church and came up sitting in the front, that'd be the first person that pastor would go to after after the service is over. It should be, because God sent him here for a reason. Even if he doesn't repent, you at least get to plant the seeds in his life. There's two groups of preachers. Some that preach out of envy and strife to afflict their brother because they're jealous. They want to cause trouble. They want they're spreading contention, they're selfish, they're in, they want fame and fortune for themselves, they want personal gain, they want self-gratification, some pretending to be, to be a believer even. Hypocrites wear a mask. That's what the word hypocrite meant, wearer of a mask. Some people do that. But there's also those who preach out of love. They preach sincerely, honestly, with pure motives, they, they preach out of love for Christ and out of love for their fellow man. These know that Paul was appointed for the defense of the gospel. Paul was appointed for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. Only that in every way... What, this, I love this. Here's what Paul's saying. Only that in every way, those that preach out of envy, strife, selfish ambition, fame, fortune... Whether they, whether they preach out of love, only that in every way, whether in pretense, the pretending, or, to be, or in truth, Christ is preached. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I say I will rejoice. You know what? People use that verse all the time. You know, um, you know Christ is preached in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. You know what it's about? It's about people being saved and people being preached to. And it does have an application for us to rejoice always, of course. But in this case, it's being used that Paul is saying, I don't care if you're preaching out of selfish ambition or strife or envy, and I, I don't, I, I'm glad, I'd rather you preach out of love, but in any way, Christ is being preached. And that he will rejoice. Christ is being preached. And I'll tell you what, I rejoice as Christ is being preached in, in other churches. Well, they may be different than us. They may be bigger. They may be smaller. But Christ is being preached. It doesn't matter if there's one in the pew or, or 150 in the pew or 1,050 or 15,000. It doesn't matter. Christ is being preached. And believe me, some pastors get very discouraged over that. But God has a, uh, a, 
God is working in it all. Paul's rejoicing because Christ is preached, and we also ought to rejoice because Christ is preached and not to attack the pastor that you don't like because he believes this and you believe that. Somebody's wrong, but it doesn't make a hill of beans against the salvation of your soul or his. Their message is accurate. Their foundation is Christ, the solid rock. Even though they may be in ministry for fame or fortune or selfish ambition or even those that are envious and even in sin, Paul's going to rejoice because Christ has preached. Wow. You see how he puts value on the soul of men? God is doing that through Paul, putting a value on the soul of men. I don't care as long as Christ is preached. Now, these pre preachers that are preaching on selfish ambition and, and whatever, they're going to be standing, if they're true believers, they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and they themselves may be saved, they will be saved, but they would be not rewarded for what they did because they did it without a heart of love. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. They themselves will be saved, but we all are going to lose rewards. That's all there is to it. You know, because we're all sinners and we're bound to. I just pray all the time, Lord, please. Uh, I don't want to hear you say, Joe, you didn't do it right. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. The result of chapter for 1 of Philippians 1 through 18, if the gospel is preached, people are still being saved. If the gospel is preached, it is furthered. It goes further. You can preach the gospel. Somebody in, I watched uh, our screen last week. We had somebody in India watching. We had our first donation from another country that came in on the Internet. Last week, from another country, the first one after being here for almost eight years. That's an encouragement to us. Our gospel's being further. This person's in another country. I think it's South America or it might be Central America. You know what? I, the gospel's being furthered by Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. Maybe not the hundreds of people. Maybe to 10, 20, who knows? Maybe 100, maybe 1,000. I don't know. You know what? People are still being saved if the gospel is preached and God is glorified. If the gospel is preached, the gospel is furthered. If God is preached, people are being encouraged. If the gospel is preached, Christ is being preached. And if the gospel is preached, lives are being transformed and they're being saved. See, Paul has the right vision here. You know, you know what? I don't care what denomination your church is, is Christ preached? Are you preaching Christ came, he died according to the scriptures, he was buried, he is risen the third day according to the scriptures. Is that what, it, is that what they're preaching? Is that what you're preaching? Because that's all that matters. Just Christ, him crucified, and you believing it so that you can end up in heaven looking at the king of kings and becoming his bride, the church. So, Paul 
You know, that's a cheap chapter. When I graduated from the Bible college, that was what I preached to the preachers who are being there. They're being trained. It was only it was maybe ten of us. I preached. That was my closing sermon. How will you preach? You're going to preach out of love, selfish ambition. So that was a challenge to all the pastors that were being ordained there that day. You know, well, that's, well, that's what counts, that Jesus Christ is preached. Not just with your mouth, but by your actions. You're writing an epistle, even without words. But I advise you, you've got to speak up. You'll cover more territory that way. Anyway, thank you for listening. For everybody, again, you're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. Tune in on Sunday. We're, in cha- we're going to be in chapter 10 of Matthew, and we're going to do expositional study through that chapter. Anyway, let's close in prayer. And may Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the word of God here tonight, um, Philippians chapter 1, really hit home with a lot of us, Lord God, and we take home what the Holy Spirit told us to take home and that we apply it to our life so that we become the Christians you want us to be and so that the gospel may be furthered by our love for our fellow man. Father, to you be the glory in it all. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. I love you all. Bye.